0: The Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded
1: believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. Today, we are excited to have Todd Hampson and Jeff Kinley on the show. Todd is an author, illustrator, and animation producer who uses art, humor, and practical writing to make Bible prophecy and theology more accessible and inviting to new generations of Christians and non-Christians. Jeff is the author of dozens of books, a national speaker, and host of the Vintage Truth podcast. His mission is to empower people with God's truth to properly discern the times. Todd and Jeff are co-hosts of the Prophecy Pros podcast and have co-authored the Prophecy Pro Guide to Tough Questions about the End Times and also a new book that they're here to share about today. Todd and Jeff, welcome to the show.
2: Welcome.
3: Hey, Thanks for letting us be on. Thanks to that. Thanks for having us on.
1: So the topic of end time prophecy is a very specific genre you both have chosen to specialize in. Per your book description, this is a field clouded by confusion and sensationalism, making it difficult for even seasoned believers to keep track of what the Bible truly says about the end times. Can you tell us a little more about the journey of what led each of you to tackle the subject and how you both began to work together?
3: Mm.
1: Well, That's, well, that's a great
3: question. <laughs> Uh, It's really just a God thing, to be honest. I mean, Todd and I, uh, we just fortuitously met uh, through just the Lord putting us together, and um, we both sensed that there was a a kindred spirit and just a a common vision to help people understand the times in which we're living. And um, I had previously written some books on Bible prophecy, and Todd was putting some books together together and uh, it just became almost like uh, two rivers converging uh, with one another, and we came together and decided, hey, this might be a great little side partnership, aside from our own individual ministries, uh, that we could do and make a difference in the body of Christ, so uh, that's how the Prophecy Prose came about. That's awesome.
0: And, And in terms of getting interested in the topic to begin with, um, I kept bumping into these books by Jeff Kinley, which are awesome. So I was like, oh, I got to study this stuff. <laughs> but even going back before that, uh, even as a t- young teenager, I grew up unchurched and and thought the Bible was a book of fairy tales and, and uh, that Christianity wasn't true. Through a weird set of circumstances, I wound up at a Christian school where, I, where my Bible teacher showed me how fulfilled Bible prophecy proves the Bible's from God. So that was the key apologetic that really the main thing that led to my conversion to Christianity. And then out of that just grew a love for future prophecy. If if all previous prophecies were fulfilled, literally, I, I surmise that all future prophecy will also be fulfilled literally. And it just, the interest just kind of grew from there. And then of course, looking at what's going on in the world, the past several years, uh, many other people are waking up to it as well. So Jeff and I really just want to equip believers in a thoroughly biblical way Uh, It's, it's a weird area of interest that God has given both of us. Like we, we do deep dives and it's, it's something that's in both of us. So we really want to present it in a way that helps non-Christians and Christians at large who have, who are scared of the topic or have never studied it to, to put handles on it and understand it maybe for the first time.
2: You mentioned, you know, people being scared of the topic. So why do you guys think the topic of prophecy Regarding end times is often avoided altogether.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think one reason is because the Book of Revelation has just been the neglected stepchild of of the uh, the Christian world for all these years, and almost like there's a "do not trespass" sign that's at the beginning of it uh, for a lot of people. And 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 a part of that is because of the fear of the unknown, and they've heard just little apocalyptic tidbits, you know, about Revelation and about Armageddon and judgments and things like that that are coming down, and so it's sort of like, gosh, I don't know if I can handle that, you know, from just an emotional standpoint, but also I think a lot of Christians believe that revelation is sort of above their spiritual pay grade, you know, it's only for uh, prophecy experts to do and that type of thing, and yet, you know, the Bible says all scripture is inspired by God, and obviously God could have ended the Bible any way he wanted to, uh, but he chose to give us a book that is 95% prophecy. And so we just encourage people and really kind of, to be honest, kind of guide them into um, the end times in the book of Revelation and, and other prophecies that are relevant to our day. And just say, look, there's nothing to fear. We, we like to say that, that Bible prophecy never breeds uh, fear. It only builds faith. And so the more we get into prophecy, the more our faith is built, the more we fall in love with Jesus. And, and, uh, and plus we know uh, what's coming and how to handle the times we're living in right now.
0: Yeah. And and there's been, we always say there's been some legitimate and some illegitimate, illegitimate reasons why people steer away from it. We understand there've been, there's been sensationalism, sensationalism. There's been date setters, kind of chicken little syndrome, you know, people get that wears on them after a while, you know, the question we get a lot is haven't people been saying forever that the Lord's coming soon, you know? Uh, and yes, they have since the first century. They're, Paul Paul, and other writers told people to be on watch and to watch for the Lord. It's a it's a holy way to live. But unfortunately, some people have taken that too far and, and set dates and that kind of thing. Um, and, and we also always say that, you know, the Bible's one grand narrative. It's one story. You know, you would never go to a movie and leave before the the epic ending but that's what most Christians do today they they study the and actually they study mostly just the new testament they don't really study much concerning the prophets which are needed to understand revelation and they're definitely turned off by the book of revelation for all those reasons that we talked about so we're trying to really bring that back into the limelight um you know a, about a quarter of the bible is prophecy and it's sprinkled all throughout scripture so if we're if we're ignoring prophecy we're ignoring at least a quarter of the entire bible
1: it's a really good point. If you're ignoring prophecy, you're ignoring a quarter point, part of the Bible. Wow. I never really thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just remembering when I was eight, nine, 10, I grew up in a Christian home. So I remember going to church and reading my Bible. And and uh, I remember those red letters. Those were always so scary. You know, like sometimes, you know, I mean, and uh, obviously we know that those are some of the most If not the most important parts of the Bible, but I remember Revelation reading through there and there's all these red parts and it was always like those were scary parts of the Bible Um, because I didn't understand it fully, you know, and and, and like you said, the Bible interprets itself. And when Mm -hmm. you understand those things, um, you understand, wow, God's like doing, he has this amazing redemption story that he's been weaving together for millennia. And here we are at the climax and you wouldn't just leave the end of a movie theater right before the end, the ending. So I really like how you put that. So, you know, kind of to your point earlier, uh, we've been, t- we've been hearing about this for, for people, for thousands of years, people have thought, wow, Jesus is coming back. You know, we, we saw the disciples, the original disciples thought it was like it was imminent back then. And then of course you kind of go through the crusades and they thought that then the, World War II, then we, of course, we had the Iraq War. Why so different now?
3: That's a great question. Um, I think the biggest difference that we have now, and of course, as Todd mentioned, that that the church from the first century has always had uh, an expectation, an eager expectation of the return of Christ, but not knowing how and when and uh, that will take place. Um, but as we're looking at the world around us right now, really at no time in the past 2,000 years have the signs of the end times really began to rise up off the horizon, been to converge uh, together like they are today. Of course, the biggest one being Israel becoming a nation again in May of uh, 1948, and that really kind of began the prophetic clock ticking again, because when you look and read the book of Revelation, so much of, of Revelation can't really happen unless Israel is a nation. Well, for the first time in over 19 centuries, then Israel's is now a nation. So that was the beginning of it. And then as we kind of look at, Todd often says the shadow of revelation is really casting itself on our times right now. And so we see a lot of these converging signs that we haven't seen in the past 2000 years. So that's a real big reason why uh, we're, we're thinking, okay, it's not just, you know, John said in 1 John 2:18, little children, it's the last hour. Uh, we're kind of living in more of the last minutes now and, uh, than we are the last hour. So, so yeah, we're kind of seeing revelation begin to ramp up towards us, and uh, that shadow is being cast on our day-to-day.
0: Yeah, that's so true. You know, Israel is a super sign. You know, you look back at some of the Puritan writings back in the 15 and 1600s, and they were, a lot of them were saying, Israel's going to become a nation again. Bible prophecy will be fulfilled literally, and people were telling them they were crazy, and of course it happened. So Uh, it it kind of boggles the mind even today when people say, oh, that's just a a coincidence of geopolitics. No, it was prophesied in scripture. Every Old Testament prophet, except for Jonah, prophesied it would happen. Mm. And that's kind of the the one bookend. And the other bookend that we're seeing literally in our day is is what Jeff's talking about, is kind of the convergence factor. We're seeing everything, whether it's uh, geopolitical alignments, whether it's the technology needed for the things we read about, the cultural conditions, the spiritual conditions, the, you know, the Europe, I mean, even everything that's happening right now in Europe is just lining up perfectly with what we would say, uh, what we would expect to see in the end time. So we're seeing everything trend in that direction. We don't set dates or no, we don't know for sure if it's in our lifetime. It it seems like it will be. um, But just like Paul instructed the Thessalonian church, we, we have, you know, one eye to the sky and our hands, and one and our hands working down here while we're waiting. So we're we're ambassadors from another land, just waiting until the Lord pulls us out, uh, and all of us will go home either either by rapture or by rupture. Somehow we're going home, so we might as well make the most of it now and, and live for Him like crazy while we have a chance.
1: Amen. Uh, you know, you kind of alluded to this, but this question is for both of you: uh, Is there a certain current? Uh, world event or events that most has you maybe raising your eyes and saying hmm, to yourself.
3: Yeah. I, I, to, uh, for me personally, it, it's, um, it's really the push towards globalism right now uh, that we've seen on really at the very outset of the whole COVID crisis chaos thing uh, began to be calls for a one world government. Uh, Tony Blair Uh, Gordon Brown, uh, former Secretary General of the the United Nations, and and other world leaders uh, began to call for, uh, hey, this is the crisis we've been looking for. Uh, Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, who's been leading for the past 40 years, a group of global leaders trying to bring the world together, has said that COVID represents the crisis we've been looking for to bring the nations together, to dissolve our borders uh, economically, to come together militarily for the peace and safety of the planet. And, and that really dovetails seamlessly with what the Bible says eventually will happen uh, in the tribulation period where the, the one-man Antichrist will lead a 10-nation a coalition that I think will represent uh, most all of Europe and perhaps other nations as well. Uh, but I, I think that's what we're seeing right now. And that to me is, the, is kind of the glaring check engine light flashing neon sign that uh, is sort of rising up in the face of uh, discerning believers today.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. And Jeff's done a couple of really in-depth talks on that, um, talk showing how it used to be you know, noted as conspiracy theory that there's this globalist cabal pushing for a global government. Well, it's literally out in the open now from, from the, 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 the cultural side of it, the actual push to openly talk about it, too. I saw, I read just today that um, India is looking at doing a centralized bank cryptocurrency. So there, even on the technology side, more and more things are aligning that that these globalists have been calling for, um, kind of central government, central money. And at the same time, there's a leadership crisis around the world. Mm-hmm. There's really no strong leaders in the world right now, other than some of the bullies, you know, Putin and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. <laughs> the wrong, the wrong guys are, are the only strong leaders at the moment. So... That coupled with the globalism, eventually, we believe it's after the rapture, the world's going to be screaming for somebody to rise up and lead. And that's that vacuum is creating a perfect opportunity for what who the Bible calls the Antichrist, the, the man of sin. He's going to rise to power and eventually rule the entire world. Which even that sounds crazy saying it, but it doesn't sound as crazy now that there's open, like big time people of all walks of life, of all you know, stripes in the government and in industry, all calling for a global government, and even saying specific things about they want a single global leader to, to lead them. So, it's it's all lining up. You couldn't script it better than than reading the Bible. It's it, it's reading just like a script right now.
1: Wow, you know, you kind of alluded to, or you talked a little bit about Europe. You talked a little bit about Israel. You talked talked a little bit about India. You know. The Bible names different countries in prophecy, but many of those countries are, or regions are not named the same now within the Bible. Can you help us kind of translate those, just so to speak, and can help us best know which countries we should be most watching over the coming months and years?
3: Mm. Go ahead, yeah.
0: Todd. I was going to say probably the biggest one in that regard, in terms of names that that we may not be familiar with, if you read Ezekiel 38 and 39 talks about the, the, this war of that's called the War of Gog and Magog, where a, a leader, Gog is the term for a leader, is going to, from the uttermost parts of the north, from Magog, is going to come down and lead an alliance with Persia and Beth Togarma, which is modern-day Iran and Turkey. Turkey. Uh, I mean, I, Iran was Persia until the 70s, so it, it, that's pretty recent time. But Magog, um, most scholars that we've read and studied, who have studied it a lot deeper than we have, Show that it's uh, Russia and some of those some of the stands that are associated with it, um, and the the I don't know if he's the guy, but Putin is playing the part of Dog right now. The way he's acting, even right now with the Ukraine, um, but anyway, that that those two chapters detail specifically an end time battle where this coalition of nations that don't border Israel, led by Russia, Iran, and Turkey, will invade Israel from the north. Um, I kind of believe it's going to happen right after the rapture. So I, I don't believe we'll see it, although we could. It's a, it, it could happen anytime in the end times. Uh, and we're seeing the stage set for that now. So those are some names. And then the others, really the main ones we need to focus on, Israel still Israel. <laughs> yeah. And as we yeah. talked about earlier, is if you really want to you know, get an idea of where we are in Bible prophecy, just, just focus on Israel. Watch the news in Israel and, and know what's going on. And there's some other great ministries that, that uh, go into that even more in depth than, than Jeff and I do. Um, but to me, that, that's kind of the key one to keep an eye on. We, we think America's big stuff, but we find even in that Ezekiel scenario that there's no other nations that come to Israel's aid, that God himself has to come to Israel's aid. Um, so there's no superpower that comes to help so that that shows that in the end times at that point. Uh, the US will either not be a superpower or not be willing to help Israel or not be able to help Israel. Uh, and that's another reason I kind of think it's, it's after the rapture. I think the rapture will happen. I think America will be so devastated by that they couldn't respond if they wanted to, and, and God will have to intervene. Um, but, but good scholars disagree. There's about seven or eight different time frames that scholars place that within the end time period. Um, but that, that's kind of my take. Israel's the main one to keep an eye on, and then the others are secondary.
3: Yeah, I think the most curious thing of it all uh, is that the fact that way back in Ezekiel 38, these nations who are prophesied would hate Israel enough to try to invade Israel along with Russia. And it just so happens that those exact nations are all Muslim nations. Uh, today, uh, some of whom have vowed to wipe Israel off the map. So here we are, you know, thousands of years later, and those exact nations are poised to try to take Israel out. And um, the the crazy thing about it is that God says he's going to fight for Israel, and it's going to be a a one-day war, or maybe even a one-hour war, who knows. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it is fascinating to see how God, if all these things have come to true in the past, as Todd said, then we have every reason to think that those Those prophecies regarding Ezekiel 38 will will happen exactly as the Bible says when Israel is living securely in the land. And uh, that's why Todd and I both think it's going to be after the rapture, right around the time of the peace treaty that Antichrist signs with Israel.
0: And just to piggyback off one thing Jeff said, yes, if there's any skeptics watching this or any any believers who maybe are like, oh, that Bible prophecy is just a a, a sideshow. I don't need to be interested in that. Think about this. Twenty six hundred years ago. The Bible prophesied Israel would be a nation again and Russia, Iran, and Turkey would have military assets north of Israel's border in Syria, but Syria wouldn't be involved in the battle. That, that setup is there today. That is exactly there today. The The battle can't happen tomorrow, but we see the setup for it right now. And that was, that was predicted in the Bible 2,600 years ago.
1: Wow. Is there, is there I know we don't, list dates and we don't you know it's kind of hard to do all that but is there any kind of like tool or like a visual timeline that you guys have created or that's out there that can help people understand kind of where we may be fitting in in god's timeline
0: yeah we actually our book um the illustrated guide to tough questions about the end end times has a ton of artwork and charts and stuff like that to show you know it shows the different views about when things happen it shows the view that Jeff and I both hold to and we believe is thoroughly supported in scripture. Um, but, but we, we know good believers that have other views and we, we still uh, have great fellowship with them, but we, we lay out our view in this book and answer all those questions on the timing. Uh, as Jeff said earlier, it, it, it seems like we're late in the fourth, fourth quarter just by the trends we're seeing. Uh, we don't, we don't know, you know, it, the Bible talks about it, that we would be in the times of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. You know, we, we often joke there. One, who's that last believer we need to reach during the church age, so that the Lord can come get get His bride. Um, but, but yeah, we have all those charts and everything in the book and in our other books as well.
2: So, what would you guys say would be the most common um, misconceptions that people have about the end times? You know, regarding that.
3: That's a great question. I, I think there's there's a lot of confusion that's out there. And I think part of the confusion is is because most believers have never been really taught through uh, this whole thing about the end times. In fact, Todd and I were speaking at uh, the largest Christian high school in this state here, here a while back, and there were 500 high school students. And Todd asked the question, how many of you guys have ever been taught through Revelation or the end times? Well, not a single hand went up. And then he asked, how many of you have thought about the end of the world in the past week? And every single hand went up. And so it's on the minds of people. It's just that their pastors many times, or youth pastors even, are not addressing these things. So I'd say the biggest misconception is those that arise from ignorance. Uh, And I mean that in a a true way. It's like when there's ignorance, then you're not guarded against false views that will come in. Ah, uh, these sensationalists, these date setters that'll come in—it makes Christians very susceptible uh, to people who would come in with, you know, like Paul says in Second Thessalonians chapter two, they have a spirit or a vision, they have a message as if from God, and they have a letter as if written from the apostles, and and that he said that actually disturbed their faith. And I think the ignorance of the body of Christ as a whole is what's disturbing them concerning the end times. So they don't really have a grasp or a confidence uh, or really a handle on what's going to happen. So uh, the antidote to that, I, I, we always say that, that truth vaccinates us against uh, error. And so the more God's truth we get into, the more we dive into uh, the scriptures, just like Paul taught the Thessalonians, then, then that dispels a lot of the myths that are out there, a lot of the confusion that's out there. And so I, I think the biggest misconception is just about people get uh, the timing of the rapture or that, you know, how's the rapture different from the second coming or are we in the tribulation now or is the vaccine the mark of the beast? I mean, there's all these different little theories that, you know, people will just float in to the body of Christ. And of course, when you're not grounded in scripture with discernment, you go, oh, well, maybe that maybe that's true, you know. So that's what we're trying to do is to help uh, really clear the air and just say what the Bible says.
0: Yeah, very true. Yeah, I, th- I think it, there's a spiritual warfare uh, component as well. I think the enemy has mm-hmm. done a fantastic job of gutting the Bible from its origins and its destiny. You know, the the two books that have been most attacked are Genesis and Revelation. Um, Jeff and I had Michelle Bachman on our podcast um, in, last season, and the, the the day before she talked with us, she was in Italy, and they had a uh, a bill going on where they were trying to make uh, teaching the book of Genesis illegal in, in Italy. And um, I think, Jeff, I think you mentioned it It didn't pass. But just the fact that they're trying to do that, there's there's two things every person needs to know. Where did I come from and where am I going? Yeah. Believers of all people in the world have those answers and should be confident in, in the origins, how we got here, how sin got here, why we need a savior to begin with, and our glorious future. We have nothing but beautiful things to look forward to but I, I think, like Jeff said, the the, the ignorance factor, and, and I don't say that in a mean way. I mean, if people don't know what the Bible says and haven't wrestled with it enough to to know that there is an answer and that we do have beautiful things, we have the rapture to look forward to, uh, the bema of seat of Christ, the wedding, you know, and then we return with Christ and then there's a millennial kingdom. I mean, we have nothing but beautiful things to look forward to. So when you look at the Bible through the lens of Bible prophecy and look at the world through the lens of Bible prophecy, uh, you, you get hope, not fear. And that, and that's that honestly, that's the main message we're trying to champion is don't fear Bible prophecy. It's going to give you hope like no other, no other time. And we need it now, like no other time.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Amen. I think, one of the big problems too, and you you mentioned this earlier, a little bit about the enemy coming in and he wants to sow that confusion. He wants people just to, mm-hmm. to not know or to be fearful. And I think so many times we just hear that basic verse that no man knows the day or the hour. You know, mm-hmm. but we also see Jesus and Paul saying or writing, Look, like no one knows, but it shouldn't surprise you. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't yeah. surprise you. And like I think so many people just hang on that original truth. That hey, no one really knows. No one knows when it's going to be exactly. But Jesus also says, like, look, this this shouldn't really surprise you. You should be knowing, you should be discerning the times. Mm -hmm. And I I love that that's what you guys are doing. You guys are discerning the times and helping kind of sound the alarm to people and saying, Hey, you know, if you're not listening, you know, those who have ears, you need to have you need to be listening. You need to have ears and listen to this. And so I love the message that you guys are doing and the way that you're doing it because Mm -hmm. um to your uh to your animations, uh, they're fun. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't need to be a scary thing. We've made right. it a scary thing. We've made a lot of media uh, that have scared everybody away. Um, and you know, yeah. th- there are things to be you know, respectful of. Um, there are things to be concerned about. Uh, but at the same time, um, the way that you guys are presenting it, the media you're using is, is uh, phenomenal. So thank you guys for doing that. Um, So I want to ask you this question here. So there is, there are a lot of media voices on a lot of media platforms sharing a lot of media everywhere. (laughs) How do we know who to listen to? You know, where, where's truth in all of this? Well, it begins
3: at the Prophecy Pros Podcast. That's where it all begins, <laughs> Other right than there. you guys, of course, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great question. And, you know, it, it really, it's a biblical question because, you know, when, when Jesus' disciples in Matthew 24 came to him and said, Lord, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? You know, Christ didn't say, well, just don't worry about it. You know, it, it'll all happen. It'll all pan out in the end, you know, it's just go back to what you were doing. No, he, he addressed that in the next chapter and, you know, basically outlined the first part of Revelation. But the very first thing that Jesus said was, he said, see to it that no one misleads you because false Christs and false prophets will arise. And I think anytime that there is a crisis, uh, whether it's a global crisis like we've been in, or whether it's something more spiritual, there's going to be these, you know, pundits that are going to come out of the woodwork and, uh, and they're going to uh, have all their theories and You know, some of them are really, really out there, and so I think it just speaks to the issue of the need for biblical discernment, and biblical discernment only comes from being in the Scripture. So I I would say that the best way for people to insulate themselves from that, protect themselves from that, is to get into the Word of God themselves. Um, You know, Barna did a study about a year and a half ago where he concluded that only uh, 18% of Christians read their Bibles uh, every week. 19% 19% never read their Bibles, and only 14% read their Bibles every day. And during COVID, he said that stat dropped all the way down to 9%. It's mm-hmm. so only 9% of Christians are reading their Bibles. So it's no surprise then when, when people that are really good on radio or TV, they, they're good-looking, they're persuasive, they're, they've got skills— Uh, They've got a great production, you know, crew or whatever, and they come on with a theory and people like, wow, then that must be what's going to happen, you know, Uh, whereas that's, those are none of the things that qualify uh, people to tell the truth. And so we just tell people, you know, check what we're saying uh, by the scriptures, you know, back it up. We've got hundreds and hundreds of scriptures uh, in our book that we talk about. That's because we want people to go back to the Bible and just hear it straight from God. And that really is the best way to help people kind of navigate through the white noise and and the fog uh, that sometimes accompanies times like this.
0: Yeah, so true. And and like Jeff said, the last thing we want people to do is believe what we say without checking it out. Our our heartbeat is that people will dive into scripture themselves and and wrestle with it until they have their own convictions. Because honestly, people have heard the different end time views, they've heard the confusion, there's a they're already confused, but really until people wrestle with it themselves and look at the scriptures and let God speak to them through His supernatural word, they're not going to really internalize um, the, their particular end time view or a certain truth. And to the point you made about you know people saying you know we don't know the day or the hour, th- that's the thing too. That's another thing where people only see part of the picture. They hear that, or um, in First Thessalonians <clears throat> five it says point blank now brothers and sisters about the times and dates we do not need to write to you for you know very well that the day of the lord will come like a thief in the night the day of the lord is the the tribulation period so people will quote that or other verses like you mentioned and say we're not even supposed to study bible prophecy but again going back to scripture if they just look a couple verses later it says but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief so in other words if you're a believer you should see it coming. And, and Hebrews 10 25 says that exact mm-hmm. thing. It says, Do not neglect the assembling together of yourselves all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of the Lord, the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. So several verses like that tell us point blank, as believers, if we're watching and studying, we literally will see the day coming towards us. We'll we'll know when it's the general time frame. We don't know the mm-hmm. day or the hour. Uh, if that's the case, we would all live crazy lives until we knew the Lord was coming. And then we tried to get our house in order, you know, but he wants to live day, wants us to live daily. Like he could return today. Uh, and Jeff and I believe that we believe in the imminency of the rapture. It could happen today. There's no sign that has to happen before it. So that gives us hope. And it also gives us a reason for living holy for the Lord. It gives us a reason for reaching other people for Christ. It gives us a reason for hoping on the glorious things in our future instead of having our eyes and our minds and our heartbeat and our wallets fixed on the things of this world so there's all kinds of benefits to it uh, but if people aren't digging into scripture for themselves they, they miss a lot of that and, and it breaks our heart and that's why we're trying to uh reach people with this amazing message
2: i know even just recently we were talking with an apologist um, um uh, expert in apologetics um alex mcfarland and he was saying that In 2020 alone, one of the most common Google searches was, is there life after death? Mm. Are we in the end times? It was just blowing up um, in the search engine. So, Mm -hmm. you know, again, the beauty of some of the things going on is people are, you know, the beauty in the midst of the storm is people are Mm -hmm. looking for that hope that you guys are sharing about, that it doesn't bring fear, it does bring hope, and that Jesus coming is a good thing. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm, a very good thing. And so, and to live holy lives. So what would you guys say, you know, you mentioned, you know, we knew Jesus was, you know, coming tomorrow, like not living crazy lives, but, you know, living lives that are holy. um, What would you say to people? um, You know, what are the top ways that we can apply that in our daily lives to live well in the present with the knowledge that Christ could come any day?
3: Yeah, I think it, um, when you go back to Jesus in his last night with the disciples in John 14, uh, he tells them that, hey guys, believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go away. But I, if I go away, I'll come again, receive you to myself that there am you be also. And you know, Christ was calling on this Jewish wedding metaphor, this betrothal engagement period metaphor. And the idea was that, the the bride-to-be did not know the exact date when her groom would come and snatch her away and take her to the father's house but she did have an idea of the season as Todd mentioned you know that generally their engagements were about a year Um, and so it was during that time that she would be preparing herself for the groom so I believe that we're in a time of preparation uh, also a time of purification. You know, she made sure that her life stayed pure. Uh, sometimes she would even wear a veil over her face to say, hey, I know I'm spoken for. Uh, I can't take any other lovers into my life kind of thing. And so uh, according to, you know, like First John 3, uh, 2 and 3 says that is that he who has this hope in him, the hope of Christ's return, purifies himself. So I think it really speaks to the fact that we kind of have to purge our lives of worldly thinking during this time that we're waiting for our, our groom to come. Uh, we're purifying our own hearts. So we're being single-minded. We're being focused on the mission that God has called us to. I mean, the idea of even living a missional life, there has to be a purpose for that. There has to be an objective and just knowing that, you know, we're living for the, for the approval of the Lord in turn, not salvifically, but, but in terms of our sanctification and our reward and we want God to be pleased uh, with our lives, and so there is kind of a, a focused mission uh, that knowing Christ is coming back gives us. I I just I coined a term in my book uh, Wake the Bride, just called purposeful urgency. So there's no panic. Uh, we don't you know run around with a chicken with a head cut off kind of thing. But there's a sense of urgency and a sense of purpose to what we do. And you know that gives us really the impetus to get up in the morning, just to know that wherever I go, whatever I do, uh, God is going to use me as a light, a beacon of hope. Uh, to other people, and sometimes bringing up that whole subject of, hey, crazy times, huh, and, you know, that can build a bridge to, you know, leading to talking about uh, what God says in his word about where we're living, and, and of course, Christ being the answer to it all. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, in the West, in America in particular, we've had it pretty easy as believers the past few generations, but you look at believers in some of the closed countries, or the underground church in China, And they'll tell you that you can't squash the church. The more oppression that comes on the church, the the more the true church grows. And those believers have suffered some horrendous things, but their, their mind and their heart is focused on their future. So I think one upside to the crazy times we live in, and this is what I would say to American believers and Western believers in particular, is let the things that have been happening the past few years remind you to kind of loosen your grip on the things of this world and really focus on what what do we as believers really believe what do we really hope in Uh, what can we really put our confidence in maybe maybe God's using us to shake us up a little bit and wake us up a little bit and I think that's what Jeff and I are seeing honestly on our podcast We, we we didn't know who we would reach we wanted to reach younger generations and people that have never studied Bible prophecy but we didn't realize the extent to which that would be happening. Most of the comments and questions we get are from people who have never studied it before from younger generations, people wanting to lead a small group for the first time because it's not being taught. And they, they just have such a passion for it. It's like seeing the world in a a new, with a new set of eyes. Um, And then to non-believers, I would say the main thing is get right with Christ. Like if you've ever, you know, heard about Christ, figure that out. If he's drawing you, if the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you need, you need to, you need to learn who Christ was. You need to accept him as your savior. Do not delay. Get that done because we don't know when he could return. And you're missing out on blessings here in this life. John ten ten says, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come to give life and life abundantly. That's not just our glorious future in heaven. That means right now we can have a richness in our walk and in, in how we live because of Christ being in our life. Uh, but non-believers are missing out on, on the blessings here and the blessings in the future. So, mm-hmm. so get right with Christ and Bible prophecy and the times we're in should point us towards that for the believer and for the unbeliever. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: No. Well said. So tell us a little bit more about your new book. I know it deals with a lot of questions and is there any data out there? I know you addressed a number of different questions in it. What, questions are most frequently asked and what questions do you feel are um, either for you guys or for, for kind of the church broadly, some of the most difficult to answer?
3: Mm. Uh, Todd, I'd say the, the question we get asked most is about the rapture and we have a huge section here on the rapture. Uh, we, we cover all the different views that people have about the rapture Then we, we talk about where we think scripture really uh, kind of lands us on that thing. Uh, but because it is the next prophesied event on God's calendar, uh, Christians are always asking, well, when do you think it's going to happen? You know, and, and, uh, how soon could it be and that type of thing. And so uh, a lot of questions about the rapture, obviously clearing or clearing up, uh, these glaring misconceptions that people have about it. You know, will I be left behind if I'm a believer and all these other things? I think that's one of the things that, that we address the most is, um, uh, questions about the rapture you know that people ask about their pets and all these other things you know and so we just try to bring a biblical perspective in uh, not not to really speculate uh, that much, but just to say what the Bible says.
0: yeah I think I think that yeah that's definitely the one we get the most questions on. And the other one that we get almost not as a direct question but an indirect question coming from confusion <laughs> is how to interpret Bible prophecy and what are the different views and why do people hold the different views? like how does their interpretation method lead to a particular view? Uh, so we break that down in the book and, and honestly, just simply put, all, all interpretation methods except for one use an allegorical method to study prophecy where you can kind of put in your own meaning and, and twist scripture to make it say what you want it to say. Um, but the one that we hold to is, is called the literal interpretation method, meaning every other prophecy God ever gave was fulfilled literally So we should use that same hermeneutic, that same method to interpret future prophecy. There's no reason God would suddenly turn to allegory just because something's crazy or seems like it couldn't happen. Uh, We need to hold to a literal hermeneutic, a literal futurist hermeneutic, where we believe everything that Jesus said was going to happen in the future will happen in the future, just like he said it was going to happen. And that's not to say there's not symbolism and figures of speech and that kind of thing. But those things are understood either from the immediate context or the broader context of the Bible. Again, that's why you got to know the Old Testament prophets, another set of books that most believers overlook. But in the book of Revelation, there's 404 verses, but there's over 800 direct allusions to the Old Testament prophets. Mm -hmm. So people read it and they're confused and then they hear people coming up with their own allegories about what those symbols mean when the meaning is right in the old Testament prophets. (laughs) And then you go read the old, you go read the book of Daniel and you're like, Oh, this is exactly what John was talking about here. You know, it it, it links it up perfectly. Yes. You got to put the puzzle pieces together, but the puzzle pieces are all there and it's a fun ride putting them together and you get clarity like never before from scripture, not from your own ideas or not from some YouTubers ideas uh, or somebody who's misinterpreting scripture, you get it from God Himself through His divine word.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Was there a certain piece of the puzzle or was there a certain linkage that was most difficult for you guys to put uh, together?
0: I know when I first started studying prophecy, um, it really was, I had read Revelation um, and I'd read, you know, the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24. But it was all really confusing until I studied the Old Testament prophets, in particular, Isaiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel. But even the minor prophets, there's tons of stuff in there that people don't even realize that are related to the first and the second coming.
3: Yeah, yeah I think the most difficult thing is just locating and identifying all the prophecies uh, of the Old Testament and how they relate to the end of time. Uh, there's, you know, some people take... Some of these Old Testament prophecies have has uh, having already been fulfilled, and uh, but as you look at them, you say, well, gosh, this really has never happened. Christ has never touched the Mount of Olives and split it in half, and you know those type of things. The Antichrist has never come upon the world, made a peace treaty with Israel, and then invaded the temple like Jesus predicted that he would. So there's all these things that you see out there, but it's really putting those in a cohesive uh, narrative. Uh, which is what we attempt to do in the book is just answering these questions. And, And over time, it's almost like a pixelated photograph. It's blurry. But it comes into focus the more you study it, and that's why we kind of jokingly say, "Hey, that's why they call it Bible study because you got to study some." You know, uh, not everything is low-hanging fruit on the on the Bible tree. You know, so uh, sometimes you have to dig a little bit and uh, dust it off and uh, do your own research there. But there's reward. Uh, there, there's a whole you know gold mine at the end if we just stick with Bible study.
0: There is, and and there's you know some of the simpler things, especially. The baseline salvation a child can understand that john 3 16 so in one verse but bible prophecy is kind of all over the place so it does force you into god's word and i think that's intentional i think god wants us to study and roll our sleeves up and and that kind of thing because um what i found too is that believers for the most part are looking for something deeper anyway You know, we've heard all the surface level stories. We know the basics about salvation and discipleship and missions and all that beautiful stuff. Marriage, Christian finances, all of that. But especially in our day, we're we're noticing that believers are craving something deeper. And that's found in a study of Bible prophecy.
1: That's amazing. Awesome. So for our listeners that want to connect with you and to get a hold of your books, where can they go? Go
0: ahead,
3: Jeff. You tell them yours first, buddy. Yeah, you, uh, for my ministry, my books, go to jeffkinley.com um, and you can uh, see all, all the things that are going on in my ministry right now. And, uh, and then, of course, our, our website is Prophecy Pros podcast uh, theprophecyprospodcast.com. And you can go there and you can binge listen. I, I had a lady this weekend says, I've been binge listening all these episodes that you have, you know. Uh, but they're all there. Uh, there are transcripts that you can look at from the episodes. Uh, and then you can also send us questions, too, on that website, too.
0: Yeah. And, and all the, all the previous seasons are there as well. So if you have a question, we've probably addressed it. Uh, so definitely check that out. Um, so yeah, the prophecy and then my personal site is just toddhampson.com.
1: Wonderful listeners. We'll have those in the show notes as well.
0: Okay. Perfect.
1: What an honor to have you guys on the show. Thank you so much for sharing so yes, much wisdom thank you. with us.
0: Pleasure me, to be with pleasure. you. Thank you
1: guys. We've Thanks for blessed. having
0: us on. Thank you. We
1: keep blessing over all you're doing. Thanks.
3: Thank you.